0: Hi, I'm Mike Hatton, and for over 20 years, I've been in a management role that saw me working with other managers from entry level up to and including the C-suite. The experience gained have positioned me to help many other leaders manage the stresses of not having enough time at work, not having enough family time, neglecting their health, and many other challenges magnified by the recent pandemic. I founded Human Cornerstone Facilitations LLC in 2008 was based on the need to help managers improve their productivity and that of their team. I would like to show you the roadmap to becoming a great leader by harnessing your team's strengths. Welcome to my show, Cornerstone, where the foundations of leadership begin. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mike Atten. My show's called Cornerstone, and I wanna thank you for watching. I have a guest today who's the co-founder of a company called Advantage Healthcare Systems. He's shown incredible leadership abilities and an incredible business acumen. And I'd like you to welcome to the show, John Zacharias. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike.
1: Thank you for having me here.
0: You're you're very welcome. Uh, Let's just jump right in. Um, I always like to ask people what inspired them to uh, start a business, a successful business uh, maybe a mentor or just something, some transformational moment you can think of.
1: That's actually quite easy, Mike. So when I was, uh, growing up, since I was nine, my mom and her husband at the time actually started to practice. So he was the doctor and she ran the office and it was actually in a house. Um, the basement, this was up in Holly, Michigan. So the basement was a business office. The ground floor was the clinic. The upstairs was where we lived, So here I was a little nine-year-old running around all over the place and doing all that. So I grew up in that, that environment and, uh, absolutely loved it. You know, there's, um, uh, she was, she is still quite a woman. She moved us down here in Texas from, uh, from Flint back in 89, as fast as we could. And, uh, Sat there and uh, I finally graduated high school here and, and uh, thought I wanted to be a chiropractor. So I went and did all my prereqs and, uh, you know, school wasn't something that <clears throat> I enjoyed much. So when I, when I went to college, I would take like 29, 30 hours a semester because I figured if they, if they can do it, why can't I? And, and two and a half years later, burnt myself out. And, and I, just, I was all done with my prereqs beret to start, but decided to take a summer off. Well, Mike, that lasted uh, five years. (laughs) (laughs) The long summer. I got married, had my daughter, uh, and ended up missing her actually crawl for the first time. So it brought back memories of me growing up in a clinic. And I called my mom and said, listen, you want to partner up? And so I, I flew back down to Texas. We partnered up and then started growing what we have today.
0: You know, that's an incredible story, and it's it really reinforces something that I tell clients that I work with about leadership. Uh, I always ask people the question that I just asked you, but I've always told clients that almost everyone learns the basic principles of leadership, bouncing on a parent's knee or a grandparent's mm-hmm. knee. That's where it starts. Now, yeah. you have other mentors along yeah, the course. way, but uh, it sounds like your journey was uh, not much different.
1: Nope. Yep. It was right there. <laughs>
0: that's fantastic. Well, as I said, Advantage Healthcare Systems, um, why don't you tell us where you're located? You've got quite, uh, quite a sizable organization and you've got some incredible growth plans that we'll talk about a little later in the show, but uh, where are you located?
1: So we are based out of Dallas, but we have facilities um, all over Texas and also in Louisiana right now. Um, a little bit about our uh, Advantage is it um, focuses on traumatic injuries, um, really focusing towards traumatic brain injury, concussions, back injuries, occupational injuries. Um, so we get some cases that are really, um, a pleasure to, to treat and get better because you get to see the results that are amazing. Um, but they are dip, more difficult than what normally you would actually have. Uh, so there are, our practices did start in, in Canton down here in Texas, which is about an hour, east of Dallas, where famous first Monday trades day is. Uh, but then of course we migrated up here and then just gone all over. Okay. Um,
0: I think the right term might be if I said that your clinics are multidisciplinal. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that correct? Correct? Multi- multidisciplinary. Okay. We'll say it that way. <laughs> uh, why don't you explain what the, the different disciplines are that you see? that's one of the things I think that makes you unique.
1: It's, you know, I've, we've always liked, um, a health South model because they were more focused on the physical medicine side of it and the mental side of it. So as we grew our practices, um, you know, we have chiropractors, we've got medical providers, we have, uh, physiatrists, which are specialists in physical medicine rehab. We have neurologists, we have psychiatrists, um, pain interventional docs. Uh, we also have our OTs, uh, occupational therapists and physical therapists, speech therapists, um, social workers, uh, and then case managers and vocational, uh, counselors. So when somebody comes in, they get the full benefit of being treated from every aspect that you could imagine from even addiction to people with cognitive deficits, to people who have, you know, knee injuries to uh, spinal injuries, they're going to get every aspect that you can imagine uh, focused on them at one specific time. I see. Um,
0: so I'm curious, when you started, when you, when you co-founded this, when you called the, your mother that day, did you have the vision for all of these disciplines at that time or did you start with one and then kind of grow outward from that based on a need?
1: So as we knew they, where, where we wanted going. to go. When it, so when I partnered with my mom, we knew that we wanted to add the different disciplines. But the, the issue was is that there wasn't really standard of care out there for everybody. So trying to get it to where it made sense, and it was financially feasible, you know, we had to add a piece at a time. Ultimately, um, the brain injury side is the most recent division that we added. And that was about seven years ago. Um, and, and that really as is, is a next level, um, but you know, we knew a handful of what we wanted, but then as we, we grew it, just little pieces started coming and fitting together like a puzzle. And, you know, we've been fortunate enough that, you know, it's worked that model and it's actually panned out. Um, you know, right now we, we are trying to expand our model over uh, the entire U.S. into three to 400 clinics, um, it, but it's... Uh, really about trying to make sure that the mo- the model fits in other practices that are out there. So same way we did. So
0: I like the way that three to 400 clinics just rolled off your tongue there. You, you have an incredible vision there. And you said that so easily <laughs> that it's obvious that you believe that's going to happen. You have, I think you told me 11 clinics now. Yeah.
1: How many employees? We have about 130 employees and contractors, um, you know, And it's, you know, to get to three to 400 clinics, we're going to be partnering with other providers to do that. Um, But, you know, I'll tell you, Mike, the reason why we're doing it is, you know, the TBI or traumatic brain injury side is a personal aspect to us. Um, Both my brothers had it, had a TBI. Um, you know, my older brother, you know, literally was in a coma for two days. My younger brother was in a coma for six hours and they both had, you know, had aspects of it. there wasn't a lot of knowledge back then whenever they got it, as far as, uh, medical journals and studies and things like that. Um, so as years progressed, we started learning a little bit more about that. And so, uh, there was, when it really came public out there was when the movie concussion came out. That was, um, it was a movie about the NFL players. Mm -hmm. And if anybody hasn't seen it, I would suggest definitely see it. Um, but it, that, the thing that we're trying to do is make it standard of care of treating people with concussions so that they don't have to have the effects, the long-term effects that people would normally have. And the, the only way that we've been able to come up with a strategy on that, and we, literally it just came up the last year that we decided to do this, is if we can get 400 clinics nationwide, we can get a standard of care. We can get insurance companies, we can get everybody to sit there and actually accept it. And that's truthfully, the vision right now is how do you get it so that no one's left behind? No injury, injured people are left behind, no vets are left behind. I mean, it's, it's crazy. That's incredible. Uh, that, that's a very worthy goal. You, with the amount
0: of employees you have right now, and you're a family-operated business, by the way, you have a, a leadership team that's family. Um, i'm sure that that uh, i know from working with the clients that i work with i know it's a leadership challenge to manage 130 employees is there anything about your uh, leadership philosophy that you'd want to share or
1: uh, um, honestly it's about having just good people around you um you know it's everybody in we've got about 30 family members that are, are within our organization too but it's not just them we have most of our people have been with us over 10 years 10 15 years they, they love their space. They know their space. They, um, work well with the people around them. Um, and I, I would say even at expanding past that, um, making sure that you just either partner or work with people that, um, can see the same vision that you actually have, if they don't see your vision, then it's not even worth even working with them. So that's, that's the advice that I would probably have to say. You just hit on something that I talk
0: to almost every client that I have about when I work with someone about uh, leadership or training. It's the training. It's how when you get that person in, when you intake a new employee, how you train them, how you get them to be able to relate in a few words to the new customer that comes in, what your company is about, your why. And if you can do that, you can not just have happy customers when they leave, but you can have happy, loyal customers when they leave so they keep coming back. Do you agree with that? Or no. do you have a different philosophy than that? Or?
1: No, I think I completely agree with that. I think it's a, it's a little bit different in, because in our facilities, people might just come in and get adjusted. They might just come in to get occupational therapy. They might just come in and get PTs. So I would say it's division-oriented in that aspect, Um, but with, as long as they have, uh, well, with our new people that come in, we try assigning them to a mentor within that division. And then that mentor is gonna sit there and actually teach them the goal of what they do and what that division does. Now, as a holistic, I'm sorry, as a whole uh, company-wide, they know what we're wanting to do, but they're normally specific to their own division. I oh, hope that made sense. No, that
0: makes <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Especially the part about uh, the mentor. Mentors are so important. I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for a mentor mm-hmm. uh, that asked me where I saw myself in five years when I was about twenty-one, and I I had no idea. I mean, twenty-one, <laughs> I'd never thought of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would smile and had me come back in two weeks and explain to him then, and that started me on my entire journey. So, uh, and the fact that you have Ten to fifteen-year employees certainly says that you're uh, you're doing something right along the way there.
1: Or they are one of the other. Yeah, <laughs> well you're no, you're
0: uh, you're a very humble man and you give credit to your employees. I can see that uh, right now. So as you take this from uh, eleven to three to four hundred clinics. Uh, do you have a specific business plan in mind already, or are you still developing it?
1: Are you going to go with regions of the country, or so, how are you going to do that? We probably have eighty percent of it designed out already. 900%. And I don't want you to give away any
0: trade secrets
1: no. so that someone will, you know. But there's go. there's specific states that uh, will be easier to work in. Um, you know, in, in medical, you have things called corporate practice of medicine, which are restrictions of allowing non-physicians to actually practice in that state. And, or own the companies within that state. So, uh, and then there's ones that have addressed brain injury, which is only one is Washington. Um, And then there's others that haven't and don't even have any guidelines whatsoever. So we've picked out states that would be uh, easier to work with insurance companies, to work with uh, the the laws and the states within there. We're going to focus on that first Um, we also want to work with Department of Defense and the Viet Vets and TriWest and Tricare, um, because they have their stuff down, but more on an inpatient level and plus their backlog is so huge. It's crazy. Um, so if we're able to push this out into communities to be able to serve everybody, um, within that realm, it'll probably start off with 29 States as our first pick. And then after that, hopefully you get additional national contracts so that we can expand into the States that really are going to be very strict. I notice um,
0: a lot of the newsletters and a lot of the articles that I follow that it, it, it appears to me that the VA is starting to get more engaged and start to look at different disciplines of care and maybe a little easier to work with. Would that be an accurate statement in your judgment? or Without um, a doubt. I'm not trying to get you to criticize the uh, VA <laughs> or anything, but... Uh,
1: Well, I mean, they're serving one of the largest populations in the world of people that are injured. So I don't, it doesn't matter who they are. Everybody's going to sit there and and be backlogged on it. But the vets, the VA has gotten a ton better in the past five years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when they signed the bill to allow outpatient centers to be able to see people, um, it helps sped the whole process up. Plus, I mean, Traveling to the VA sometimes is inconvenient when you can be treated a half a mile down the road. Um, but yeah, the VA is, is really doing a good job in, in our opinion. Uh, you know, it's, We just think that uh, they need to be able to utilize the world's resources to treat our people, not just theirs.
0: I drove, uh, it's interesting you say that, I drove uh, up through Alabama not very long ago and I was in a very small town in Alabama not unlike where I grew up in West Virginia. And I noticed just a very small building that was a VA health clinic. And I'd never seen that before. So uh, I I think that's a really good thing.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, great. Um, So as you talked about traumatic brain injury and uh, things like that, you've actually expanded your knowledge base. And I know you have some friends and doctors that you work with around the company. Uh, Do you see this as more of a challenge post-COVID? And what do you see some of the the challenges to be post-COVID? Is getting care for traumatic brain injury and things like that?
1: It depends on the spikes. I mean, everyone's saying that we're going to get hit with another round of COVID in the next 30, 45 days. Um, You know, let's hope it's not as severe as the rest of them, obviously, and it just comes and goes real Mm -hmm. quick uh like the last one did um but I, I would say that our challenges are not necessarily due to covid um actually covid has helped us not from the disease level but it has helped us with breaking down barriers uh utilizing telehealth mm-hmm. which is huge now um I mean, we we as a company learned how to even do rehab at people's homes via telehealth, how to set them up properly um, what equipment they needed uh it It helped push some of our providers who would never consider telehealth into having to do it because you know when we' were at the peak of the pandemic, i mean if they didn't treat them at home, the people never got the care so you know, it's, you look at them and you're like, well, are you going to see nobody today? or Are you going to log online and help some people? And you know, some of it's just, I'd say a routine that we all get used to. I mean, how we tie our shoes and how we put our pants on and all that sort of stuff. But then if you can't do it, that routine, well, then you change. So I think COVID has helped, helped us enormously. Um, Even some of the state laws before it prohibited telehealth for physical therapy, for other things, occupational therapy, but you know, the people don't need to necessarily travel a lot. Um, if they can do some of the stuff at their house. And so I think this is going to help. I think it's going to help a ton of people and I'm excited to see it as it progresses, especially when they just eliminate all the, all the restrictions and off we go.
0: This is anecdotal, but to your point, uh, I would agree with that. Telehealth during COVID, uh, I had occasion to call them. I'd never called them before. I never thought I'd ever use that. <laughs> uh, I had a sore throat. I just couldn't get rid of the sore throat. I didn't have a fever or anything like that. I tested negative um, for COVID. So I called up telehealth and, and the doctor, I was really uh, impressed. He was very thorough. He walked me through asking me enough questions. When he decided I didn't have COVID, then he prescribed something for me. And I thought, what a great way to do this. Uh, over in the comfort of my own home over video, instead of going into the office with my sore throat, with twenty other people with their sore throat, and uh, maybe some of them with COVID, and everybody spreading this around. So I think it has forced a good change in a lot of ways, like you say.
1: It has. I I think that if if it did not happen, um, it would have been another twenty five years before we would have gotten there. You know, I can remember the first. Telemedicine conference I went to was out in Las Vegas, and this was back in 2001. And I have been trying to get us to do telemedicine since then. Back then, it was only really the military doing it, mm-hmm. um, which you can see because people are being deployed and <clears throat> they don't have anybody that speaks English in some of the places, so they they needed to do it. Um, but the technology also wasn't really there back then either. I mean. I can remember getting dial-up when I was 1997. So, you know, four years later, you know, we, that page still wasn't loading very fast, you know? It was, you had to have a telephone line to hook 10 in. Ten minutes to through. sign in. So, you know, so it was one of those scenarios that, you know, when COVID hit, the internet was there, bandwidth was there. You know, the other ones, Zoom and all them, had just started streamlining their stuff. And so we were able to deploy it pretty rapidly. You know, um, I think that if the internet wasn't on the phones and on the iPads, stuff like that, it would have been difficult. But yeah, the first time I think we ever used telehealth personally is we're up in New York and my wife got sick and, you know, she didn't want to go down there. I didn't want to go down to the ER and spend a couple thousand dollars. Right. And so I was like, listen, let's just call a friend of ours and, and sit there and get him calling a prescription if he can tell you what it is. So we used the video chat and that, you know, I would probably say this was like in 19, uh, 2016. So just started happening. So we used FaceTime is what it was. I think called him, he's sitting there looking in her throat, this and that. And then he's like, okay, yeah, I know what it is. And called in a script right across the street, went and got it. She felt great the next day and it didn't ruin our vacation. So th- this is what I think we all can do as we move forward. You know, even with the brain injury, there's a thing called, um, neurofeedback. And so what you do is you end up hooking up these leads, which is normally like a cap you put on and it hooks up to the computer and we can monitor people why they are utilizing this therapy. Um, but that's all done over the internet. So there's so much that we can do to help now because of COVID, you know, it's amazing. So that, that brings me to, um, think
0: of HIPAA concerns. And I forgot exactly what the acronym means, but basically HIPAA is your responsibility to protect the privacy of my medical records if I'm in your office and I know there's concern about the transmission of those records over email and and things like that as a matter of fact, I read an article the other day that the primary secure method still considered to be the gold standard is the fax machine it makes no sense to me i i know but uh, you know I, re- I read it on the internet true. <laughs> <laughs> but um no so it, it, have they solved that with telehealth are you confident that that's all solved and uh, everything how can how can the person watching this show be assured that uh, their privacy is is protected
1: Well, in our space, especially during COVID there was a lot of refining that was done to the rules and laws and rights. And, um, there's certain encryption that has to be done now, uh, even from a video aspect, even from, um, only thing really not encrypted is a telephone call, right? So most people have gone to portals. So instead of emailing or, or even faxing that goes to emails. Now, (laughs) um, instead of emailing stuff out, uh, you just send them a link and then then they go to a portal and then they log in and they can download their own stuff and off you're going. Um, but I think that for the most part, most people have, you know, except for those clinics where all you see is those big paper charts. I think that the rest of the world has turned over to an electronic system where you, The encryption level is huge. I mean, you're talking double what HIPAA is requiring. And it's uh, 510 uh, encryption, I think is what it was. Well, it might be a little off. 512. 512K encryption, which is gigantic. Before, it was only 256K encryption. So it's huge. And that, that hasn't been cracked yet. So do I think it's good? I think we're good. I think we are.
0: I use a, uh, a clinic that um, has portals. Mm-hmm. And I know when I was a new patient there, I uploaded every record that I had before mm-hmm. I ever went in. And when I got there, the doctor had reviewed it. I mean, he, he had he done a thorough review of it all. And it, and I found that, you know, I was a little at first, I was a little, well, I've never done this before. I don't know, is <laughs> it safe? And after I did it, I thought, this is the way to go. Yeah. This, I really, really like it. So uh, from that standpoint, things have uh, Progress dramatically.
1: Yeah. They even have, um, they have a couple of systems now that are actually bridging between all certified systems that will be one repository. So you had to upload your charts within probably next two to four years. You're going to get it to where if you make an appointment and you give us authorization just through, you know, a link or a portal, we can hit a button and it goes to every electronic system out there and pulls your medical records in for us. So it's going to be a lot easier in the future. A heck of a lot easier. That sounds incredible. Also scary, too. Well, <laughs> I was thinking that. I wasn't going to say that, but
0: since you brought it up, it was. But also, uploading my charts was a little yeah. scary the first time I did it. So I'm sure that it's something that uh, we'll, we'll all get be able to get used to. <laughs> um, wow. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about uh, John Zacharias. What do you like? to do? What are your hobbies? What do you enjoy doing? What's your passion when you're not uh,
1: building a large business? (laughs) Uh, Honestly, um, I've got four kids for 25 year old daughter. I have a a 20 year old son, um, a 17 year old boy and a 16 year old daughter. Those are probably my hobbies is what I'd call right now. So my 24 25 year old daughter, she actually uh, does EEG, so they're brain studies mm-hmm. on our traumatic brain injury people. Uh, but she went to school, got certified, does that, and flies all over the US doing it. Um, my 21-year-old son is just now going back to OU. Uh, super proud of both of them. Um, my 17-year-old boy, he's just coming into her senior year. Uh and uh doing very well, playing football. Yeah, with concussions, seriously. Well, I did make a pact with him that if, and he agreed to it, if he ever gets a concussion, he's done. And so he hasn't, he's still going. And then my 16 year old daughter, she's just about ready to be a junior. Um, but those are my hobbies. I, I like, I'm, I'm a never ending pilot student. I've been trying to learn, get my license for 15 years. I want to say, hopefully this year I'll complete it and be done. Um, and then besides that, uh, honestly, it's just family right now. I think eventually it'll be more traveling um, than anything, but why they're going to school and why we're trying to do this vision, this is where I'm at. Okay.
0: They, You said traveling. They've just ended the uh, negative COVID test requirement coming back in the yes. U.S. <laughs> I take it you think that that's a good thing, that's a safe thing for the people that might be watching and have that question?
1: I, you know, there's... I definitely think it's a safe thing. Um, you know, with the new, with the variants recently and everything else, you know, this, it, the risk levels are not that high. Um, plus, uh, you know, if any of you have traveled overseas and actually got tested, you probably found that sometimes you can get tested and not tested and get the same result. So I don't necessarily think that that thing is actually, uh, gonna prevent anybody from getting over here. So get back. So, right. I don't know. I don't know. The first time I went to Mexico, they're like, "Do you really want to test, or do you just want the report?" I'm like, "What? Seriously?" <laughs> and they're like, "Same price." <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so no, there's a. I I think it's wonderful. I think that uh, you know I have friends in Australia, you know, in other parts of the world that, you know, that they're they're they haven't been able to travel forever, you know, and they're normally they travel every quarter. Right. But they could not afford to go in quarantine for two weeks coming back and everything else. So I, I think it's time for the world to open more back up. I really do. Well, there's so much pent up demand that uh, travel
0: has just exploded uh, mm-hmm. in the US for a while. We'll see how long that lasts.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, we're about out of time, but uh, as we uh, wind down here, this is where I like to give every guest the opportunity to uh, look into a camera. And, you know, your camera is right there. <laughs> John, if you'd like to look into that camera, take as much time as you want, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, and uh, tell us uh, what you would really like people to know, how you can help them, and uh, how they can contact you, uh, just anything you want. And uh, we'll put the links up that you give us, and uh, it's your time to use your camera. <laughs> Thank
1: you, Mike. Um, so we try putting out a couple of blogs every single week on traumatic brain injuries, and the causes, and you know the treatments, and how to recover. Um, so you could, you know, sign up for on our Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, our website is advantagehcs.com. Um, and it, it's got a lot of content there that can help you. If you've got questions, if you have family or, or friends that actually have had concussions or, you know, if they possibly have the symptoms of those, uh, there's also a contact uh, page there and there's a, a phone number that reaches out to our wonderful people that we have that can help get you scheduled or at least get you the resources. Um, if you are in locations that we have, uh, we normally can find people that can help you out with that anyways. So don't, don't feel bad about just reaching out. Even if you're in West Virginia, <laughs> we can normally help you guys out, but thank you very much, Mike, for having me. Uh, I've had a blast, and this has been fun. It's been fun, it's been
0: informative uh, for me also. I learned something, uh, every guest I have, but I've especially learned a lot today. Uh, So ladies and gentlemen, as we uh, come to a close again, I'd like to thank you for watching the show. It's uh, been something I hope you got something out of, and I hope to see you again on the next episode. Thank you. I wanna thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something of value to help with the challenges you face as a leader. Please feel free to share this show with your friends on social media. And don't forget to visit my website, thegrowthfacilitator.com. And while you're there, book a free call with me. We'll see you next time on Cornerstone.